Once again, my thanks to Kyle Van Noy. I thought that was great. Love a guy showing up with that kind of enthusiasm and intensity. He's feeling it. Ravens look good. Then again, you got KC. And KC was supposed to be not what we thought they were. And then they picked it up once the postseason started. So how do you see that AFC Championship matchup? Let me open up the phones. I've got Jeffrey Chidiha coming up next segment. I want to get you involved, though. 1-800-636-8686. Detroit, I have not forgotten about you. Fired up for you. I want to talk also about the Bucks and Baker Mayfield. He did what he does. Played his guts out. Had them in position late. To me, Tampa Bay, well... Todd Bowles, I thought, did a really good job with that team this year. What he was doing sitting on that timeout late, I have no idea. I have no idea, and I don't really understand his reasoning. But he did a good job this year, although that makes no sense to me. Why are you sitting on that timeout? You can take that with you to Cancun? You can take that timeout with you into the offseason? Why are you doing that? Baker Mayfield has done more than enough to justify getting that job full-time, getting a new deal. They have their quarterback. It's Mayfield. So we will cover all of that as well. Jordan Love, I thought, was tremendous. I thought he was incredible down the stretch. I thought he was incredible in the postseason until that last moment. Like, why do you ponder passing? Have you seen the side-by-side clips of Brett Favre when the legendary Paul Allen ponder passing? made that uh, that play-by-play call? Have you seen these, these clips side-by-side? It's eerie. They're almost the exact same person, just photoshopped, like the one play. So, again, the future is still incredibly bright with Jordan Love. Why he did that, I have no idea. Yeah, I know, he's a young quarterback. But the guy played so incredibly well since week 10, I kind of thought he'd gotten that out of his system. Like, I knew the text linger would never get that out of his system. I thought Jordan Love had. But then he went across his body... In the middle of the field, he called it. He said it himself. It's like the cardinal sin. You don't do it. You don't do it. He knows. He knows. But he did do it. So, again, why do you even ponder passing like that? But the future is extremely bright for Green Bay. Gets all these things. Let's go to the phones, though. Let's go to Kansas City. Hearing a lot from Kansas City. Talking a lot of junk. And honestly, they have every right to. Let's go to Preston in KC. Preston, what's going on? Jim, thank you for taking my call. How are you? I'm great, dude. How about you? I am great. It's a beautiful day, and all of the lo- anybody but the losers should agree. Before I get too much into piling on Bills fan room, I do, do want to tell you I took your advice to heart. Never say never. Josh Allen may one day get the hump. But I will double down and say Josh Allen will never get the hump when it goes through Mahomes. Mahomes went into Orchard Park and picked that low-hanging fruit that Josh Allen seems just two inches from grabbing. And he tasted that sweet nectar of victory, leaving Bill's fan in the stands looking like all those kids after Halloween whose parents told them they ate it all. I'll tell you what, Jim. I am pumped, and what's going to happen is next week we are going to roll into Baltimore and hook it up. Mah- ah. No, you don't like that call. I don't like that call. Hey, Alvy, what? 
I mean, I've got my own thoughts on that, Alvy, but what? Alvy said, I, I was hoping he'd make up for it now, but never did. I'll make up for it now. Preston said, I'll tell you what, Jim. No, I'll tell you what, Preston. That was not a good call. I like the energy. I like that you want to pile on. You earn the right to pile on. But dude, the, the, the nectar and the low-hanging fruit and the fact that Josh will never get the hump against Patrick Mahomes, that, that was like the best part of your call. You, you might even be able to justify that statement. He might not. But the rest of it, you were trying way too hard. Not really thinking coherently, kind of making it up on the fly, and it just kept getting worse and worse and worse. So I did the humane thing. I put you out of your misery. Hey, KC fan, but I'm here for it. You know, if you want to talk junk and you want to talk about, quote, how amazing it was to seeing grown men crying hysterically on national TV, go right ahead. What I am saying is enjoy the moment, celebrate the win. You did go on the road. You did them in their house. You made grown-ass men cry hysterically. Go ahead and enjoy that. But don't forget what's awaiting you this coming weekend. They look like a different animal. And you heard Kyle Van Oy. Locked. Locked. And that guy's already won two rings. He knows what it takes. And I want to make the point again. Lamar did what he had to do. Like, to me, there was more pressure on Lamar this weekend than any player in the league. Honestly. The fact that he was a one seed and one and three in the postseason, and that's the narrative. And, and the MVP this year. We know he'll be the MVP. The narrative was the guy just does not play well in the postseason. So to me, there was more pressure on him than anybody, and he played well. And they played a tremendous second half. But to me, the real story there, although that's the sexiest narrative, the real story to me is that Ravens defense. They're incredible. I mean, incredible. I was flashing back. Flashing back to those great, great, great Ravens defense. T-Sizzle, Ray Lewis, Ed Reed. Like, I think they're in that conversation. They're that good. They have to finish. But if they do finish, and they finish with this kind of authority, they're absolutely in that conversation. 1-800-636-8686. Let's go to Queens. Kyle in Queens. Good to have you, Kyle. What's up? Hi. How you guys doing? These guys are great. How are you? Doing well. I just wanted to talk back to that Kansas City fan who was saying a lot. Uh, You know, I personally watched it. I thought it was a pretty back-and-forth game, to be honest. I don't know what you guys thought. You thought, say that again, you thought it was a what? I thought it was a pretty back-and-forth game. I don't know what you guys thought. Oh, yeah. No, hell of a game. Great game. Back-and-forth yeah, game. So, unfortunately, yeah. unfortunately, the game ended the way it always ends for Buffalo, man. An utter heartbreak and defeat. Yeah, nothing new seeing Kansas City move on, unfortunately. But, you know, he missed a field goal and some heavy wind. He obviously should have started that kick left. We all watched it and was like, what the heck was that? But, you know, just tough to hear from Kansas City fan who needs Taylor Swift to promote ticket sales and nobody wants to see him win so you know you got the whole state rooting for him I guess but I was really just calling in to tell that kid to go husk some corn or whatever they do out there than the football 
My man. All right, uh, Kyle, I appreciate it. Dude, I got to say that that might that that might have been the flattest rebuttal ever. Like I was so fired up. Kyle from Queens. All right, this will be good. This will be good. Somebody from Queens is going to set that dude straight. That was like the most rational rebuttal I've ever heard. Bro, I don't I, I want to be very careful how I say this. Tommy, you know the area better than me. I mean, I'm a California native. Who am I to say? My man, are you really from Queens? Did you move to Queens? I'm thinking, like, I see Queens. I'm like, that dude's going to let his hands go. Or at least, you know, figuratively on the show. Like, Preston's all up in here talking all his junk, not really making any sense, but basically just piling on. And Kyle says very rationally, almost like a professor, I don't know. I happen to think that game went back and forth. I happen to think that was a very competitive game. I don't really know what the rest of you were watching. I don't really think that was very fair, what that other guy said about us. I thought that was a good game. You know, as far as the kick, I mean, I don't know why you don't start at left when we all know what's going to happen. I mean, damn, Kyle, rational much? My man, come in here and talk a little bleep if you want. That's what we're here for. Especially when the Chiefs fans are piling on the way they are. Did you say something about, I don't really know what they do there other than husk corn? I was really just calling in to tell that kid to go husk some corn or whatever they do out there other than football. My man, I think that kid is lying dead in a cornfield somewhere after you just dropped that bomb on him. I'd like to tell that kid to go husk some corn or whatever it is they do out there when they're not playing football. That's pretty good, actually. You know what they do when they're not playing football? They're talking junk about what they do to you when they are playing football. And maybe husk some corn. (laughs) Come on now. Let's try another one. Let's go to Vancouver, Charlie. Hey, Charlie, what's up? How are you? Great, Jim. I just thought it was really just that Bills fan got what they got. The karma that's deserved when you throw football or throw snowballs like they did the entire Pittsburgh game, and even once in a while at the receivers yesterday. You got what you deserve. Show some class. And NFL, step up. Start throwing these blankety-blanks out of the game when they're lodging these bombs at players and fans around the players. Point them out. Get these guys suspended or get these fans out of there or get the whole lower bowl out of there. I want to watch football, not target practice for losers who have to throw snowballs at players and refs. I feel you. All right, Charlie, thank you very much. You know, part of the snowball throwing actually is in celebration too, right? But don't get me wrong. They, they do think they're all Nolan Ryan. When the opposition gets close enough, yo, check out. Watch me hit the paint. Check out the movement on this one. There's snow. I'm not justifying it or condoning it, but there's snow. You don't think they're not going to pack it into a little ball as tightly as they can? Maybe stick a battery in it and throw it at somebody? They're fans. They're probably like, hey, man, we just spent the last 72 hours shoveling all this snow out of here. What's falling down now? 
is ours to do what we want with. We earn that right. Let me tell you something. Be happy that guys are only being pelted with snowballs and not, and I'm putting this kindly, rubadongas. Or other sex toys. It's so interesting, isn't it? The the pile on. Sex with me. All right, so that's a pile on coming from. I don't know if that was a Steeler fan or just an anti mafia fan. This is what makes it beautiful. One eight hundred six three six eight six eight six. Let's go to Baltimore really quickly. Mike, love hearing from Baltimore. Mike in Baltimore. Hey, Mike, how are you? Hey, Jim, I'm doing great. First time, long time. Thanks for taking my call. Thank you. I just want to quickly note how. Thanks. I just want to quickly note how I feel like Lamar is this generation's Ray Lewis with the impact he has on and off the field. I mean, when you see Peyton Manning's son show up on the sideline with the Lamar jersey, you see what kind of pull he has. And it, we get the feeling around here we're acutely aware of how good Kansas City is, but it reminds me of 2012, the last time we won the Super Bowl, when we had to go to New England and beat Brady and Belichick, who were the men back then, and Mahomes and Reed are the men right now. So uh, it's going to be a tall task. We think we can do it. We think we will do it. But it's just having Lamar, you just have this feeling like we can do anything. So just want to say war Alvi's greatness and unwar tax season. I'm out. All right, Mike, nice job. I appreciate that. It seems to me, and this is a very small sampling, but based on what I'm hearing so far, it seems like Baltimore is affording – okay, Baltimore fan is affording – KC, more respect than KC fan, is affording Baltimore. And I think that's smart. Listen, there's something very different about Lamar. Lamar's a different cat. And I mean that in the best way. That's a really different dude. Remember, we're talking about a dude who caught so much heat for representing himself, negotiating his own contract. That went on for more than two years. He never gave in. He had that deep conviction. A guy who came in with a 1-3 record in the postseason. All eyes on him. I'll say it again. I think more pressure on him than anybody. Yet he's been locked. He's been locked since that. He's always locked, but especially since that contract got done. This dude is on a mission. And Baltimore fan, I, I know what you're saying. If you feel like this dude represents this region, this town, we believe in him. I get why. That is a really different dude. The fact that he lit into them at halftime. Now, now, not only does he have a skill set unlike any other, now the guy's learned to lead. He's leading from the front. He's the face of that franchise. And again, we're talking about a guy who's already won the MVP. I, I just, my, personally, I think the world of the dude. I think the guy's incredible. I think Mahomes is incredible. But we already knew that. I just want to say, for the record, I think that Lamar is incredible. I think he's a different dude and a different player and a different kind of leader. And he's evolving and he's growing. And it just feels like it might be his time. When we come back, Jeffrey Chidiha joins us. Stay with it. Quick timeout. I like the reaction, though. Keep coming. Hit me up on the phones. Hit me up on the X. Hit me up on email. And we'll be right back. You're listening to The Jim Rome Show. Welcome back. I'm Jim Rome. I like what I hear. I like the energy. I like the reaction. All right, more of that coming up momentarily. But we're joined right now by an NFL Network reporter, also an NFL.com columnist, also the co-host of 
the Too Deep podcast and the Red, Gold, and Bold podcast, focusing on the Kansas City Chiefs. Of course, I'm talking about Jeffrey Chadiha. Jeff, good to have you back. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. How you doing, Jim? Good, good, Jeff. Appreciate you. Thanks so much. So let me ask you, generally speaking, how tough a weekend was it for all the doubters and haters and skeptics? <laughs> and what were some of your biggest takeaways from the divisional round? Well, for me, this weekend was about uh, doubters and haters taking a hit. You look at some of the storylines, whether it was Lamar Jackson in Baltimore getting that playoff monkey off his back or Jared Goff getting a chance to show people that he's still a pretty good quarterback in Detroit and uh, Brock Purdy, the game manager, finding a way to get a game-winning drive. And then, of course, the Kansas City Chiefs go on the road and getting that first playoff when people thought that they weren't going to be able to do it. I think there was a lot of people feeling good about um, being motivated by proving people wrong this weekend. And so that, to me, was the, the theme of the, the week. Jeffrey Chidiha joining us. All right, so why don't we talk about a few of those things, starting with Kansas City. Do you feel like they finally got right offensively? Have they solved their problems on that side of the ball? Well, I say maybe, just because it's been a wild year for them and a tough second half, and you've seen them have good moments and then regress. But you had to love what you saw in Buffalo. And I I don't know why I, I did this to myself but I always forget how much Patrick Mahomes shouldn't be questioned when he's got a chip on his shoulder and something to prove himself. And they wanted to go on the road and show they could win on the road and that that offense could play at a high level. And you saw them running the football. You saw them going three tight ends. You saw Travis Kelsey come back to life. You saw Marquez Valdez-Scantling catching the football, which I never thought would happen again (laughs) in in my lifetime. So, yeah, I think that they they, they should feel good about themselves because – now they're back in the championship game. They got the most experience of any team in that game, and that makes them really scary. Jeffrey Chidiha joining us. I may circle back to them, but I want to ask you about Buffalo. Another year, another major disappointment for the Bills. Like, Would you argue this might be or is the most painful loss for the current regime? And then where do the Bills go from here? Well, I'm not a member of Bill's Mafia, and I have a ton of respect for their fan base, but I don't know how this could not be the most heartbreaking moment uh, in this run they've had with Josh Allen and Sean McDermott uh, leading the way because you got the Chiefs at home. They're not playing well. You got an opportunity to get back to the AFC Championship game where you haven't been since 2020. You've run six straight games, and you still lay an egg in, in, the, in, the, in the key moments. And for me, that's what my takeaway is for the Bills over the last four or five years is that they just, when they've had a chance to make those plays they've had to make to win these kind of games, they haven't gotten it done. And so you still, you do start to look at, you know, not just Josh Allen, but, but, but McDermott, who I really like as a coach, who's done a great job there, but Hey, John Elway let John Fox go in Denver and ended up winning a championship with Gary Kubiak. You know, the Tempe Buccaneers let Tony Dungy go and won a championship with John Gruden. Like maybe it's time for that ownership group to think about those kinds of moves to get this team over the hump. See, that's the thing, right? They've got to do something. I put this out in the X last night where I said, look, it, you can't run it back, Jeff, right? You no. cannot run it back. It no. doesn't work. Clearly, it's not working, but what do you change? You're not changing the quarterback. Let me ask about Josh Allen because he's taking some heat today. How much of this is on him, and how much of this is he just keeps running into the one guy who's better than him? <laughs> yeah, it's like Ali and Frazier, right? Um, right, exactly. It's uh yeah, and so, yeah, that, that is a big part of it, that you're playing against arguably the greatest player, a guy who's going to be the greatest player in the history of the NFL, and Patrick Mahomes. But I look at it like 
Joe Burrow beat Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> you know, Lamar Jackson, if he wins next week, will have beaten Patrick Mahomes. It, it is doable. And so Josh Allen has to find a way to do it. But, you know, I know people are, are questioning some of the mistakes he made or some of the decisions he made down the stretch there. I thought he played a pretty good game. I thought that the defense gave him zero help. Um, they couldn't get a key stop. But I thought late in that game when it was coming down the stretch, when they had a couple minutes left, I thought that they would actually get in the four-down territory, get Andy Reid to use his timeouts, and leave the Chiefs no opportunity to at least get the ball back. And so that's the only thing I really question about how he played was that he could have managed the game better at the end. But really, you look at that game in total, he was the reason why they were in it in the first place. I agree. I'm not putting this on him at all. I, I bring the question up because that is a conversation, but I'm not putting that one on him. Jeffrey Chidiha joins us. So what about Baltimore? They looked unbelievable defensively once again. You actually posed the question in your column this morning. So let me reset it right here. Can that Ravens defense be solved? And I'll add to that, I had Kyle Van Noy on last hour, man, and he is absolutely locked and really confident. Yeah, I think it's going to be tough for the Chiefs to solve them or anybody else to solve them because you look at how they played against some of the best teams in the league. They beat the crap out of Detroit. Um, you know, they beat the Rams. They beat up on San Francisco. They beat up on, on the, the Dolphins. And you look at the, every level of that defense, they have a Pro Bowl-level player or multiple Pro, level, Pro, Bowl, Pro Bowl players. The linebacker core is really strong with Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen. They got a, you know, a, a, jack, a, tra- jack, a, a jack knife of a defensive back and Kyle Hamilton they can use in different situations. They get Marlon Humphrey back at corner. That's another Pro Bowl guy you're adding to it. And Justin Matabuque has had you know, a breakout season at defensive tackle. They stop the run. They get after the passer. They turn you over that they keep you out of the end zone. They do so many things to create problems. And C.J. Stroud and that Houston offense was, was humming when they came in there, and they did nothing. And so I think this is going to be the biggest challenge Patrick Mahomes may have faced in the playoffs in a long time. Agreed. Jeffrey Chidiha joining us. We started by talking about how it was a bad day for the haters. about a bad day for Brock Purdy haters? How much did he prove with that game-winning drive against Green Bay? Well, for me, I know people are going to look at how he played overall, which wasn't great, but it was rainy. He was without Debo Samuel. Uh, the Packers have found a way somehow to play good defense again after the way they were playing late in the season. But when you are when you go through that kind of game, and let's remember, he's second-year quarterback. I think now he's started 23, 24 games in his career now. Like, he's still a young guy. And to, to be able to get through that and with a game-winning drive, on the table, you've got to go down, lead your team to a score, to go six for seven, you know, have the offense click in, put themselves in position to get McCaffrey into the end zone for the game-winning score. That, to me, shows you that this guy isn't just a nice story or a system quarterback. He can make plays when things go wrong. And I know that was a knock on him earlier in the year when they went to that three-game losing streak, but he delivered when they, had, when they needed it most. And – he should, be, he should be applauded for that, <laughs> or lauded for that. It's like people act like this guy can't do anything. He's a pretty good quarterback. I think the guy's more an assistant quarterback, personally. I think that, Jeff, for those who think that, they're always going to look at where he was drafted. They're going to look at you know how he is physically, what system he plays. And no matter what this guy does, those who are of that belief are always yeah. going to be, be of that belief. But I think he's more than that, personally. I agree with you. What about the fact, what about Detroit, right? The Packers nearly pull off the upset against the Niners. What does Detroit have to do to go to San Francisco and shock the world? Keep doing what they've been doing. 
I've always said this about Dan Campbell and that team, and I've been able to be around in the last couple off seasons. What I respect most about this year's Lions is they, they know who they are and they're not trying to be anything but that. And so they have a very good foundation. You know, Brad Holmes, the GM, and Dan Campbell talk about grit all the time. They wear that, 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 that word out. But it's real for them. And they know that they wanted a tough-minded team that was built for tough moments. And this team three years ago was a three-win team. And they, they had to fight their way to where they are today. And so to go into San Francisco, I don't, think they're, I don't think they're scared about this now. I think they've been waiting for this opportunity to show the world that they're more than just a team that, could win their division, could get into playoffs, that they can legitimately win a championship with this group. And so I think their chance is pretty good, especially the way Green Bay played in San Francisco last weekend. I think you're right. I think they have a puncher's chance or more. Jeffrey Chidihai joining us. I agree with you. Like they're, they're, Yes, they're playing with house money, but they're not acting like they're playing with house money. They expect to go there and win that game. And not only do I think they expect to go there and win, I don't think they'll think it's a shock if they do. Before I let you go, Jeff, let me ask you about the Texans, who I absolutely love. I thought they had an amazing season that nobody saw coming. But here's an interesting question. You actually posed this. It's one thing to win three games and then have nobody expect it, and then shock the world. But what happens the following year when everybody's expecting it and you've got that proverbial bullseye on your back? Which is tougher, the first or the second? Oh, the second's tougher for me because, you know, the way the NFL set up that, you know, you're going to get an easy schedule when you're a losing team. You're going to have a lot of opportunities to, to get wins. And really, look, I love the Texans too, but the AFC is going to be a house next season. <laughs> because you've already got Lamar and Patrick and Josh Allen, but then you're getting Joe Burrow back healthy with Cincinnati. You're getting Aaron Rodgers finally. Stop talking about conspiracy theories and Jimmy Kimmel and playing football again. You're, you're going to have uh, Anthony Richardson in that division. who looks like he's going to be a player for the Colts. Justin Herbert could be better coached than with the Chargers. It's just not going to be as easy as getting – uh, you know, 10 wins as it was for this team. And I, I love their opportunity. and I love D'Amico Ryans and what they can do with C.J. Stroud. But look at Jacksonville and where they are right now. It's, it's tough to keep coming back year after year and winning in that conference right now. I love the Texans, but I think that's a very good comp, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Hey, Jeffrey, one last thought. What about Baker Mayfield? Do you think, do you think that he looks around or do you think that he has found his home and do you think they've found their quarterback of the future, at least the near future? Yeah, I believe both are true. And, you know, Baker to me, as watching him over the last few years, I have a ton of respect for how he's handled his career. Most guys who go to four teams in, in less than a year, in like a 12, 13-month span, never recover from that, end up being journeyman quarterbacks and, you know, carrying clipboards. And he found a way to get to a place to compete for a spot uh, and, and to give that team a little feistiness. You know, I think that, you know, when Tom Brady retired, we all wondered – what was going to happen to the Bucks? And, and Baker went in there and let them know that they can still win that division. They can still compete for a playoff spot with him under center. And so I, I think he's always been the kind of guy who's at his best when his back is against the wall and he's under underestimated. And so keeping that in-house would be good for the Bucks and having him know that, you know, hey, I'm, I'm in a place where I'm wanted again. I think that means a lot once you've been knocked around this, in, in this league. I think you're right. I love the guy. I've always had his back when it's not always easy to have his back. I think there's something different about him, and it's that toughness and that grit. Not to get greedy, but one last thought. Jeff, what is going to happen to Bill Belichick? What do you think is the best fit? What do you think? Where do you think he wants to go, and where do you think he'll end up? 
Well, I think he wants to go someplace where he can win a lot of games real fast. And right. Get that record. Right. <laughs> so I think that's he's not he's not going to some. He ain't going to Carolina. I can promise you that. Um, but it um, the Falcons look like the front runner. They've been, you know, the team most linked to him over the last few weeks. But you know, I'm not trying to get Sean McDermott fired. But God, if I'm Buffalo, I'm thinking long and hard about him being a coach there. If if you really want to win a championship and the roster you have and the quarterback you have, but I imagine he's going to land with the Falcons because Arthur Blank has deep pockets. They've got a lot to work with down there. The defense was was really undervalued. They played pretty good defense. Spent a lot of money, a lot of draft capital on on skill players. He's got to find a quarterback, and you're playing in a weak division. Tom Brady made that same move and it worked out for him. I think Bill Belichick goes to Atlanta. Does you know, the same thing. You know what you just said is really interesting. Like I'm not looking to get anybody fired either, McDermott especially. But do you think that Buffalo has it within them? Could they, if they take a step back and look at this rationally? Do you think they could reach the conclusion that this guy gives us a better chance to win it all? This is the guy that we need to get over the hump. Could you see them actually doing that? You know what? They, the Pagulas have been, the owners there have been really um, strongly behind McDermott. And he's, again, he's done a great job there. That was an awful franchise when he showed up and he's gotten him into the playoffs. He's won division championships. But again, I mentioned Tony Dungy. And I mentioned John Fox for a reason. It's like you only get so many opportunities. The window is only open for so long if you want to win a championship. And it's a cutthroat business. Players get cut all the time if they're not producing at a high level. And, again, I think Sean McDermott's done a great job. But given what's out there right now in the head coach in the head coaching cycle, the Jim Harbaugh's, the Bill Belichick's, the Mike Vrabel's, even, even a guy like Pete Carroll, guys who won championships or come close to doing it, Man, if I'm the ownership group, I'm at least thinking about that possibility. We're doing it with, with Nick Sirianni. He's done it with Mike McCarthy. I don't think Sean McDermott gets a pass for that. I think you're right. I think that's fair. He is an NFL Network reporter and NFL.com columnist. Got a couple of great podcasts as well. He is Jeffrey Chidiha. Jeff, really appreciate you. Thanks so much for that. Always fun, man. Take care. You too. Take care. Love Jeffrey Chidiha. All right, so there's another angle. There's another conversation for you. One, do you run it back? Okay, you don't run it back. We know this. But what changes do you make? You're not changing the quarterback. Josh Allen's fine. Do you change the head coach? And if you don't change the head coach, what do you change? Obviously, they're getting older. Obviously, there's going to be some cap issues. But I don't ever remember a time where there were so many quality head coaches, championship caliber or actual championship winning coaches that are available. I agree with him. If you're the Pakulas, you have to at least think about it, right? I mean, if there's a question of whether or not Nick Sirianni is safe, if there's a question of whether or not Mike McCarthy is safe, shouldn't there be a question of whether or not Sean McDermott is safe? And why? Because you've got guys like Bill Belichick, Jim Harbaugh, Mike Vrabel, Pete Carroll. All available. At least you have that conversation. Bills fan, I'm curious. What do you think? What do you think? And can you imagine Bill Belichick with the Bills? That'd be interesting. I mean, that, that, that's, that would be fascinating. Imagine him breaking the record in a Bills hoodie. Imagine him slicing off the Bills sleeves and breaking the record. In a Bill's hoodie. Hey, listen.
He could. He would. It's not impossible to think that he would be there. All right, I saw the Tex Slinger play for the hated Vikings. We've seen guys cross over. He's going to go where the best opportunity is. Now, I'm not saying there's an opportunity with Buffalo, but if all of a sudden Buffalo is on the phone to the guy like, yo, Hood, you want to talk? Hell yes, I want to talk. What does he want? He wants to get as many wins as quickly as he can to break the record. And I'm sure he'd love another chip. I love he, I'm sure he'd love to prove that he can win a strap without Tom Brady, the way Brady proved that he can win one without the hood. The question is, if you're Buffalo, do you entertain that? Otherwise, it feels like he's going to end up with the Falcons. Uh, hello? If you have a chance to coach Josh Allen, the answer is yes. Josh Allen, Jim. Hey, Bill. Bill's here. You want to come in and talk? Yes. Hey, Bill. Buffalo Bill's here. Would you like the opportunity? Yes. Of course he's going to coach Josh Allen if he has the opportunity. Of course. Just like I'm sure that he would coach Justin Herbert if he had the opportunity. (laughs) Over whoever it is the Falcons have or are going to have. Hell yes. We've seen... We've seen every coach with a quarterback and every coach without a quarterback. In a second, he would coach the Bills. The question is, do the Bills want him? 1-800-636-8686. All right, Bills fan, I would love your thoughts on this. DraftKings, the leader in fantasy sports, just dropped a brand new fantasy app. Pick 6. Pick 6 is the newest way for you to get in on the fantasy football action with DraftKings. Just pick between 2 and 6 pro football players and choose if they're going to have more or less of a stat. For example, will a player have more or less than 100 rushing yards or will a player have more than one touchdown? Track your lineup and compete against others for a shot at huge cash prizes. Download the DraftKings Pick 6 app right now and sign up with the code ROME, code ROME, R-O-M-E, only on DraftKings Pick 6. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER, 18-PLUS in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. Must be present in a state where DraftKings Pick 6 operates. Pick 6 is not available in all states, including but not limited to Connecticut and New York. For up-to-date lists of states, please visit dkng.co. Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show on CBS Sports Radio. Listen up, clones. Now all beef jerky is the same old trapper's original old-fashioned teriyaki. 
Hot and spicy and peppered all come in four-ounce bags. So you can sample different flavors and find the best one for you. Ask for Old Trapper by name because no other jerky compares Old Trapper. What's your beef? All right, so really quickly, Jeffrey Chidiha said, you know, I don't know, I'm just throwing this out there. And he made the point, Sean McDermott's done a good job. He thinks he's done a really nice job there. But the GOAT is available. And if they can't quite get over the hump and the GOAT's right there, would you not at least consider bringing him in? I think the whole thing involving Belichick is really curious. Why is it that it seems like the only team that's really locked in on the GOAT is the Atlanta Falcons? Why are we not hearing about him with other teams that have either openings or if the GOAT's available, would you not create an opening for the GOAT because it's a once in a lifetime? He's the GOAT. He's never going to come free and clear again, right? At least not with this value. Like as an example, the Chargers. Wouldn't that seem to make sense? Now you might say, no, nah, the Spanos aren't going to spend that kind of money. They had Harbaugh in. You know, were they wasting time? You've got the Chargers, and they've got talent on defense, but underachieving on that side of the ball. They've got a franchise quarterback. You know, a top five, top six quarterback. You don't think that Belichick would be interested in that? Or are they not interested in him? Are they not interested in him because they don't want to pay him? Well, Harbaugh is going to command a hell of a lot of money. He was in. Or are they not interested in Belichick because Belichick's going to want control and they don't want to give it to him? Or maybe is Belichick not interested in them, so they're just not going to meet? My question is, if you have the GOAT, why is it that the Atlanta Falcons are the only ones who seem to be locked in on this guy? And even the Falcons have had multiple interviews with other candidates. And they're turning over every single stone. I just find it strange that nobody else seems to have a real interest unless it's playing out in a different way. Or unless Belichick doesn't want people bringing him in just to pick his brain. And he doesn't want to waste his time. But why wouldn't more than just the Atlanta Falcons be locked in on this guy, whether you had an opening or not? And there are lots of openings. I mean, I get Carolina. He's not going anywhere near there. He wants to win, and he sure as hell doesn't want to work with an owner who's going to meddle as much as Tepper. And I'm sure Arthur Blank would be great. But is there not a better opportunity than the Falcons for this guy? Why are we only hearing about that? I find that really curious. What's going on with Belichick? Where do you come out on this? Hey, Buffalo fan, what do you think? Are you comfortable that McDermott's going to get you where you need to go? Do you have the right guy? Or if the GOAT is out there, do you think he could be the difference? Or is it more of a talent issue than a quarterback issue or a coaching issue? Some reaction. Hey, Rome, haters are always going to hate. So bring on the KC fan pileup. If anyone is deluded enough to think that we haven't seen worse, they're kidding themselves. We still have 17. We still have more wild-ass fun than any other fan base in the league. See you next year. War Jason Kelsey for embracing the madness. Dave in Buffalo. Dude, I mean, you're there. You're living it. I'm not going to call bullcrap on that, but really? We still have 17. We still have more wild-ass fun than any other fan base in the league. We're good? Really? Hey, bro, whatever gets you through it, I guess. I don't think, and Jeff Chidiha, I think, said it best. He goes, I'm not a member of the mafia. I'm not a card-carrying member of the Bills mafia. 
but I've got to imagine that of this regime, this is the most painful of all. It's got to be, right? I mean, if not this year, then when? And I wonder if that window for this regime has already slammed shut. Like I said, they're not better next year. They're just older. Hey, Rome, Bill's owner, Terry Pagula, isn't the kind of owner who demands results. He also owns the Sabres, and they haven't made the playoffs since 2011. He just doesn't seem too interested in winning a Super Bowl. If he was, he'd see that McDermott has his ceiling, and he'd make a change ASAP. Regards, Scott in Crabchester. Unwar life as a Buffalo sports fan. I've said that before. It seems counterintuitive. I'm not saying this about the Bagulas. I am saying this, though, as a fact. Not everybody wants to win it all. It's costly to win it all. Not everybody's built like that. Some of them are running this as a business. It's a widget. A really exclusive widget. A cash cow, cash flowing widget. But not every single owner. Think about it. Think about the way some of these owners conduct their business. Not everybody's in it to win it all. Are the say are the Buffalo Bills, the Pagulas, are they? I mean, they're in it every single year. But are they in it to win it? To win it all? Is that the main thing? We'll see. We'll see what they do from here. Because what they're doing is good, but it's not elite. It's not enough. They're in it every single year. They're consistent. But clearly, they don't have enough to win it all. It's not working. It doesn't work. The plan doesn't work. Something has to change. So what is it? All right, when we come back, some more reaction and Lions fans. I should have got to you sooner, but we're talking Detroit Lions football on the other side. Don't go anywhere.